Bringing specialty care to rural communities has long been a challenge for rural hospitals, and oncology is one of the most difficult service lines to recruit. At the same time, the prevalence of cancer diagnoses in rural America demonstrates the critical nature of oncological services for those patients. So, how can rural hospitals help their patients access meaningful cancer care? With provider partnerships, strategic service line development, and a focus on connectivity. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 108 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. Rachel, our guest today is someone who serves patients, direct patient care. Sometimes we, you know, we talk about philosophies and statistics, and it's really neat when we get into the weeds with those who provide patient care. Don't, don't you like that? I love that. I, I think they're some of our best episodes. And so today our guest is someone who uh, serves patients as a radiation oncologist. Uh, he's very passionate about connecting rural patients and hospitals to cancer care, which is so vitally important in our rural communities. That's right. We are talking with someone who is very outspoken on this topic and has even been featured on one of our favorite podcasts, Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Uh, That's right. Our guest today is Sagar Patel, radiation oncologist at St. Francis Healthcare System in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, Dr. Patel. Thank you very much. To start, Dr. Patel, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at St. Francis Healthcare System. Thank you again, Rachel and JJ. So my name is Sagar Patel. Uh, As I mentioned, I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I was born and raised there uh, to first-generation Americans, and I ended up going to Providence, Rhode Island for my undergrad in med school. And then I have, I would say, serendipitously found myself uh, just involved in rural medicine in residency and my first two jobs initially in Wisconsin and now uh, at St. Francis at Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And a little bit about myself, I would say I love playing soccer. Uh, I'm a big uh, college football fan, LSU fan. Uh-oh, that's where we have trouble. I'm a Baylor <laughs> graduate, so I can't be a big LSU fan, but we'll allow it. Uh. <laughs> All right, yeah, at least, at least we enjoy college sports for sure, though. I think one interesting thing about me uh, that's different um, going into radiation oncology is I was a classics major, and I think that's influenced my experiences uh, in medicine and also in radiation oncology training, where it has a high predilection for engineering, physics, and um, high-level science. So I think that's uh, something that I think lends a unique perspective on how I approach patients. Um, So I guess that's a little bit about me personally. Currently, um, as mentioned, I'm a radiation oncologist at St. Francis uh, Health System. And there um, I have the blessing to be the medical administrative officer for the oncology service line there, heavily involved in our commission on cancer. I'm the uh, physician cancer liaison. And then I'm one of the lead physician representatives on our uh, medical executive team. So I've been able and grateful uh, to be involved um, in coordination of care and care delivery, especially in Southeast Missouri. Um, And that's been a great opportunity thus far. 
One thing that I'd want to add day to day that I, as we talk about quality and initiatives uh, for our patients, one thing that we do uh, once a week is a multidisciplinary cancer conference, uh, which I help facilitate and lead. And I think this is where we're really able to define, uh, identify, and address some of the issues that we as a collective community face uh, in rural medicine. And one really awesome thing that we do throughout the week uh, with my fellow radiation oncologist, Dr. Ben Goodman, is that we prospectively review all of our new consult cases. We uh, discuss them. We uh, together uh, design a treatment plan for our patients. And we also review our ultimate radiation therapy course and design with each other. And I think that is value that I I think truly is unmeasured throughout the course of the patient's uh, care continuum. Tell us a little bit about Cape Girardeau, just so we kind of and our listeners have an understanding of the type of community that you're practicing in. Sure. Um, so it's a great uh, community. It's about a town of about 30 to 40,000. I think it operates uh, at a bigger size through the week, uh, as you as you both may see as well. But it's one of the uh, largest healthcare facilities between Memphis um, and St. Louis. So we're able to capture many patients across Missouri, um, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Southern Illinois. So uh, the ability for us to care for patients across these catchment areas is is crucial and essential. Absolutely. So now that we've established who you are and what you do, a little bit about your background and the community that you serve, um, we want to start with the why. And it's a question that we ask each of our guests on every episode. So we get to know and our listeners get to know you just a little bit better. So uh, what I want to know, Dr. Patel, is what is your why? What motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning to do the great things that you are doing? Thank you very much, JJ and Rachel, for asking this, because I think this is really important and and really defines who we are um, in many ways uh, holistically for me. Um, If I can take a step back, um, I would say I decided to become a physician at the age of 10. And and I know that at that age, we're still formulating who we are and and how we perceive the world and what occupation and what vocation actually mean. But from Mm -hmm. a very young age, I knew I wanted to be a physician. I actually thought I wanted to be a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon. As you know, I was heavily involved in um, soccer, and I just loved the the team and the team-based approach, which we, all three of us, know how important that is in healthcare. However, my I would say the end of my second year, third year of med school, uh, my maternal grandmother uh, was diagnosed with stage four non-small cell lung cancer, adenocarcinoma, and it was uh, one of the subtypes uh, commonly associated with non-smoking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I was a budding uh, student and uh, really eager about medicine, I really didn't understand her journey myself. And that really captured um, the complexity of medicine for me, even for Mm -hmm. someone who from a young age 
really wanted to be a part of medicine and, and identify with medicine. And so through her experience, my ignorance and just seeing her uh, multitude of suffering um, coming from a family who is blessed and is fortunate and um, is educated, um, that was uh, quite profound for me. And so I was eager to really delve into oncology. I initially started aligning myself with mentorship within medical oncology. And I honestly didn't know very much about radiation oncology. I think we had a 15 minute, uh, I would say short lecture um, in, in medical school. So I talked to my medical oncology uh, mentors and you know they helped facilitate a rotation in radiation oncology. And I got myself uh, involved in research and I, you know, really understanding uh, the nuts and bolts of radiation oncology. So why radiation oncology? Of course, I uh, hold inherent bias, but I think it is the ultimate field that captures all specialties while being a primary care for your cancer patients. And why do I say that as a radiation oncologist? not only through our accreditation, we truly have to understand and recognize each and every detail of the natural history of disease and how you're able to integrate multitude of specialties through the field. I feel like it's the true balance between objectivity, subjectivity, art and science and medicine, Mm -hmm. because you truly have Mm -hmm. to understand each and every element of your patient and also have the emotional intelligence or the ability and desire to grow, to understand and to be able to communicate the complexities of these scientific manifestations for these patients and for your patients. And in addition, I would say another quite unique uh, attribute to radiation oncology is that you interface and you integrate with individuals who are not involved in the conventional aspects of medicine, I would say dosimetry, physics, engineering, biomechanics, different forms of uh, imaging, functional aspects. And so you're able to continually learn from so many different people and share and uh, really appreciate diverse perspectives through your experiences with your patients and the individuals that you work with. And I would say it's a true kudos to your team and the and the people at your health system that care for these patients. Because I'll tell you, Rachel and JJ, it doesn't matter if my partner, Dr. Goodman and I come up with the most well thought out uh, radiation plan for our patients. It's the team, it's the people around you who are able to deliver your patients and who care for your patients, who are the eyes and ears of your patients. It's not just you. And I think that is so important. And and the three of us see that every day, how important the team around us is. And I would say, you know, I want to always highlight our patients. I think, you know, we always approach medicine as, you know, you know, we want to learn and we want to understand, but who is and who are the set of individuals we learn from the most. It's our patients. And I truly feel that oncology, I know I'm biased once again, these sets of, this set of patients is is really 
a set of a group of people who you learn from holistically in life from every single day. And I'm so grateful and blessed to be a part of them, even on our most difficult days. Yeah, you know, you talk about uh, empathy, and uh, then you mix a little bit of uh, EI in there, and that's critically important. I say, you know, I say often that some of the best nurses and physicians that I've ever worked with are ones whose life has been born out of controversy and or challenges. And in your case, Dr. Patel, you know, hearing the story of someone who suffered from cancer, uh, a loved one of yours, you know, that you cared for, that that you were raised with, uh, and has created an opportunity for you then to go out and serve. Um, that That's so real and so touching. Uh, it makes our job almost a ministry, wouldn't you say, than it is, you know, more of just work and the opportunity to do the things that you do, which you're obviously doing. And uh, I want to commend you for that. And, you know, I also want to talk about, you know, some challenges because that's really we need to dive into some meat here. Um, I guess, you know, when we talk about rural America and we think about services that are available in rural communities, we're challenged. You know, we don't necessarily have the resources and the wherewithal that our competitors do uh, in big cities. It's rural. It's hard to recruit. It's hard to retain. And the challenges are, even if you are able to recruit, you're in a community where they're small. They they don't even get a 1.0 FT equivalent. Uh, someone may say that, that 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 discipline is worth a 0.25 in your community, but you can't hire a quarter time X, oncologist, radiologist, whatever it is. And so we're oftentimes challenged with the reality of low to slow pay to no pay uh, to government contracts, which are not good, uh, and faced with the reality of the inability to bring services to rural communities. So um, I, I guess that's my question to you. What makes bringing oncology services to rural communities difficult? And what are the challenges to actually providing that care, even if you can get the providers and the infrastructure in place? Thanks, JJ. I think those are uh, an excellent set of questions. And you laid the foundation for really the crux of our struggles that we face uh, day to day. Um, You know, as a clinician, I think it would be important for me to provide clinical context and examples of how. I would say we have a set of opportunities that are exciting. You know, I I know that they're challenges, but they're also exciting opportunities. So I I would, you know, I guess express it from a radiation oncologist lens, but really also uh, house the oncologist umbrella or the care delivery experience uh, from a a cancer patient's lens. So let's take uh, head, neck cancer and lung cancer. So, you know, we're thinking about, you know, upstream, um, you know, screening prevention, but then let's kind of fast forward to when we are, the patients presenting either, and the three of us know they're typically not necessarily presenting um, in the outpatient clinic. They're potentially presenting in the urgent care or emergency room uh, based on their presentation. So let's say they have a clinical presentation and your pretest probability or your concern for lung cancer is high. Um, And then we'll kind of look at head and neck cancer, you know, just without even getting into the weeds, we're looking at uh, diagnosis, treatment, and then survivorship as kind of, you know, three uh, big prongs um, in evaluating 
uh, the patient-centered or uh, care experience, and you're looking at engaging or bringing together a multitude of specialties, let's say um, you're concerned for a lung nodule, you have an ER physician, that patient hopefully uh, presents back and follow-up to your primary care, the, the primary care provider sees the patient, and then there's a concern for uh, a lung nodule, let's say they were ruling out a PE on a, a CT chest protocol in the emergency room, they see a left lower lobe lung mass, um, and then you're, you're, you're moving forward, you're thinking, okay, amidst, let's say, the National Cancer, our Comprehensive Cancer Center Network guidelines that you're looking at, or, you know, uh, thought leader provoked uh, clinical care pathways, you're looking at how you're going to identify that lung nodule further. So then you're looking at interventional radiology, you're looking at pulmonology, um, you're evaluating not only the primary or um, index lesion, but then the actual spread. So then you're getting into more further imaging uh, with MRIs, PET CTs, different functional MRIs and, and CT imaging. You're looking at uh, biopsying not only the primary lesion, like I said, but also the mediastinum. So at this very surface, you're already engaging a multitude of specialties. We mentioned, you know, primary care, emergency medicine, radiology, interventional radiology, pathology, pulmonology, cardiothoracic surgery, and then ultimately uh, potentially medical oncology and radiation oncology. So as you mentioned, there's already an inherent uh, necessity uh, for a multitude of specialists. And so bringing those people together um, in, in a timely fashion, in a very systematic uh, fashion, is very difficult for anyone, let alone in the rural setting, where, as you mentioned, the difficulty for us to recruit, um, have that capacity, have that sustainability, becomes quite difficult. And so what does that lead to? That leads to stage migration, uh, worsening of presentation, and overall uh, worsening of outcome for the patient. And so, as you mentioned, we not only have to be creative, but we have to work as a team, really have a systemic approach across networks, not only within our health system, to be able to um, really address what our patients need. And I would also say, as you mentioned, you can, what if you do have the providers? What if you do have the infrastructure? We still have to account for the patient's value system, what the patient actually needs or what he or she perceives that he or she needs as well. And so you can have this quite extensive system, the quote unquote appropriate infrastructure, but is it going to align with the patient's wishes and values? And then are they going to be able to, quote unquote, be successful in the pathway that you've deri derived and designed for them? Hmm. And I'd love to elaborate on that, but I'll take I'll, I'll pause there for a second to see what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I you kind of hinted at this already, but the um, you know, there are a lot of rural communities where some of these challenges have not yet been overcome. We'll say it that way. <laughs> um, and in that scenario, you you talked about it a little bit already, but 
what's the result? How, how is, what are you seeing with rural cancer patients that you don't necessarily expect to see with urban or suburban cancer patients as a result to the, of that access issue? Yeah, we talk about how we internalize our patients. And I think what the most difficult thing that I see daily is that, you know, perfect storm or that compounding of, you know, uh, detriments and, you know, inertia and just struggle for the patient. So, I mean, it is very difficult to get a CT scan. It is very difficult to get a PET CT scan. It is very difficult to, mm-hmm. difficult to get a biopsy. These patients are coming from far away. Thankfully, through our foundation and, you know, multiple efforts, we're able to mitigate and limit um, a lot of the financial toxicity. But we, the three of us know, I mean, it's still present, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you're you're trying to delineate and highlight this scary presentation for the patient and then organize their care pathway in a way that limits that time and financial toxicity for the patient. And we know that every visit or every telehealth visit or every interaction with us is opportunity cost for them to provide for their family to be with their family, um, and to really engage in the community. So for every time they're with us or, you know, at any touch point that is taken away from another touch point that impacts their lives in, in such a substantial way. And so I think, you know, as we think about the metropolitan areas or opportunities where this mobility is, or the issue of mobility is not as uh, prevalent or prominent, I think this is the some of the core issues that the three of us deal with daily. So, Dr. Patel, can hospitals and healthcare providers who don't currently have their own oncology program engage in this type of work in some way? How do they go about that without that provider piece of the equation local to them? Yeah, excellent question, Rachel. I think it's absolutely critical and essential that we stick together and stand together because we know that with artificial intelligence, automation, predictive analytics, it's going to give us a picture. But is it the actual picture that we need or that actually describes what our patients go through day to day? And as you mentioned, Um, With respect to the provider, he or she is one individual. We know that Mm -hmm. we need a team. We need everyone who has a Mm -hmm. touch point with our patient, whether it's in the health system, um, community centers, uh, jobs, anything around us. It's absolutely crucial that they're all involved and we work together uh, because we are not going to be able to care for the community we live in unless we work at it together. And we know that we're going to have to make difficult decisions. But if we're able to identify gaps together, then we're able to, as JJ mentioned earlier, with respect to contracts, uh, payer mix, you know, we have this notion of provider and payer, but how can we actually create contracts in a way that we're engaging Um, and advocating for our patients. And I think that's why we actually need everyone on board beyond the provider, and we need to share Mm -hmm. ideas. 
You know, as rural hospital CEOs and administrators are listening to this podcast right now, uh, they may be wondering, you know what, we're in that position. You know, it's hard. Uh, We can't even participate in tumor boards. We don't even have cancer registry set up. A lot of challenges that rural hospitals face, even in connectivity. And um, I I guess my, my question to you from your expert advice is, what is the first step for rural communities specifically, uh, who are looking to improve access, what can they do for improving, implementing, bringing together, you know, oncology services to their respective communities? Thanks, JJ. I think, you know, we, we all talk about access and we think, you know, should it be the digital route, telehealth, adding more patients, being more available, being more visible. I think those are all very critical, but is that going to be access with meaning? And that's what really I've been reflecting on for our patients because, you know, we create all of these services or we're in this race to provide all of these services, but then there's that disconnect with our patients. Are the services actually leading to healthier patients or patients with Mm -hmm. good health. And I think if we focus on, okay, we we have all of these good things coming down on the pipeline, because of course, JJ, you know, you'd love to hire everyone and anyone at your hospital. We'd love to have as many people as we can, but we know that that's not feasible. So Mm -hmm. how are we going to utilize AI and the ability to glean good information from data analytics and apply that information to our community in such a way that we identify the individuals that we're not even actually seeing that are truly marginalized because we don't even see that we don't even see them until the very end. How do we capture the patients who are just scared and need that piece of navigation And how do we actually create elements of navigation that are effective for them? And then how do we work with that set of uh, payer mix where we know that we need that cohort of patients to really support the entire system? You know, because we know and I know you guys uh, um, talk about, you know, there's no uh, mission without margin. How do you really because we'd love to create a system that accounts for everyone. And then that's what we want, but we know that we need to reduce rate waste. We need to reduce redundancy, but we can't just focus on cost itself if we actually want to grow globally, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that's crucial for us is I think the biggest competitive advantage or the inherent factor that nobody can take away from us is the fact that we are in the community we serve we live in the community we serve and we'd like to think that we understand them, you know, and we want to build on that and we together can serve them by actually hearing them and listening to them. Yeah. And that's so critical, uh, listening to the voice of the patient. You know, we, we have a segment that we, uh, would often do called the voice of the patient. 
and it was listening around our quality table, and this has been years ago, uh, our chief quality officer would play uh, video, or excuse me, uh, recordings of patients who were interviewed for our physician scoring in hospital compare. And we would hear directly from the patients whose lives we've changed. Uh, we also made sure that we listened to all of them, including the bad ones, where we had to make some improvements. But uh, in rural communities, to hear the stories, if you weren't there, my husband would have died. If you were not there, I would not have been able to have the TPA administered and I would have died. Uh, that's that's at the basis of what we do and why we do it. It's for the care of our patients. And we start talking about oncology. We think about all of the lives that you know have touched our lives of individuals who have either in cancer treatments now or who have passed from cancer. You know, my mother just a several months ago, my sister several months ago, uh, the pain is real and it grips you very deep. But I, I think about the distance that we had to travel to take my mom and my sister to Ann Arbor, Michigan, an hour and, you know, 30 minutes away, uh, the time that it took to do that. And not having those services locally um, was just it's, it's, it's hard. And one of the things I committed to was to having pet services here as a result of watching my own family struggle through the journey of driving for one pet scan, you know, an hour and a half one way, an hour and a half the other way, getting registered in a big health system, which you often get lost. It's very confusing. You can't even find parking and the list goes on. It's very intimidating to a point where some of our patients have said, Dr. Patel, we're not going up there. We, we don't have the car, we don't have the transportation, we don't have the gas money. We're going to neglect our treatments or we're going to skimp on our uh, testing. And, and what we talk about is how do we build the infrastructure locally? So having this conversation with you is so important. The value added, you know, a regional approach, whatever it takes uh, to really focus on how do we take care of and, and love on our patients. So uh, thank you so much. We could spend another hour and we will. We'll have you back on. Um, we have a tremendous amount of questions as we talk strategy, as we talk, you know, developing, uh, as, as we look at some type of a care system and models. Uh, also, as we look at just, you know, what, what can we as a system do together, not just looking at rule, but how can the big systems help the smaller systems achieve the goals of oncology? I think those are some greater questions that we can, we can begin to address and we have to look at it towards the care of the patient, not territorial, uh, not as my, mine or yours, it's ours. Uh, when it comes to that specialty care. And I think we all become winners, but we will have you back uh, here in the future. And it's been a, a pleasure having you on the program today and continue doing the great work that you're doing, impacting and changing lives each and every day. So we want to thank you for your contribution uh, to healthcare, uh, for your contribution to such a specialty niche as this, uh, for really changing lives. And uh, it's, it's so important and, and vital to our mission. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know, what is your most unique rural experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? Yeah, it may, it may not be fun, JJ, but uh, <laughs> this is super important to me. Um, you know, you highlighted uh, a lot of these elements through your personal experiences and what you've just shared. You know, I think many times, you know, 
people envision or depict rural medicine as behind, you know, and um, secondary, inferior. And I truly want to end on or add on to this set of special moments that you just described, especially with your family. I'm, I'm thinking about one special patient to me, and I, you know, I want to respect their privacy, but this patient uh, was very scared, um, had no idea of her diagnosis, did not understand how it would transpire, how she would undergo the treatments, how she would care for her kids, how she would work, and what the next set of years would entail for her. And she told me after her conversation and consultation with me and my nurse and the rest of my team that her experience within our consultation at, at, our, at our healthcare system at St. Francis, that initial presentation kept her there. And mm -hmm. that's not a ploy or a mechanism to say, hey, you need to come to your institution or our institution. I think it just exemplifies how much we care about our community, how much we care about our patients, how we are aligned with our patients, how much we love them and how mm -hmm. much we want them to do well, no matter what. We talked about a lot of difficult elements today, many of which don't have clear answers. We know that you know, there are multiple institutions, multiple uh, private equity firms, industry that are looking at this vertical vertical uh, integration, trying to create a health ecosystem that's a one size fits all. But we know that that doesn't necessarily completely apply for us. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy and I'm so grateful that I'm in oncology, but I think mm -hmm the complexity of oncology, I think, emulates and almost mirrors what challenges we face in rural healthcare. We want to do something and we know objectively and scientifically that this may be the right treatment paradigm. This may be the right clinical pathway for the patient, but it may not be the right pathway for our patient. And how do we reconcile that? How do we find the right answer for our patients? And mm -hmm. that may not be that newest drug, that coupling immunotherapy. It may be. So how do we get them there? How do we engage our team, our community, our leadership? Really, you know, the insurance companies aren't the big bad guys, you know, but we know that we need to work together. We need to work with policymakers. We need to work with our city and state and federal level, as well as industry, and allow uh, the system, allow uh, society to really recenter on the patient and mm -hmm. recognize that we can educate each other. We can educate our team, we can educate our staff and really come together and create that beautiful care experience for our patients. And I do want to say that I'm the first one to say as a provider, the onus truly is on us. We need to challenge ourselves. We need to challenge ourselves to work more collaboratively um, and really listen. And I think if we do that, we really can come together and create that systems approach for that common aim for our patients. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's super important, and I wanted to emphasize that today. And I'm I'm quite excited and hopeful that the technology that is coming forward, the automation that's coming forward, the artificial intelligence that's coming forward, that we continue to build on that goodness for our patients and and be able to utilize that for the gaps that we cannot change very easily in our rural health system. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much to you both. Well, thank you for your purpose and your passion. We see both uh, as we interview you today, and it's so encouraging and refreshing to hear that. So once again, Dr. Patel, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to having you back again on Rural Health Rising. Thank you very much. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Dr. Sagar Patel, radiation oncologist at St. Francis Healthcare System in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.